0: Thank you for listening. I assume you've come from the second episode of the Between Shadows and Light podcast. But if you haven't, then I highly recommend you listen to that first as that episode goes through a lot of the themes that this audio essay picks up on, but in a much more personal and practicable way. Uh, This audio essay is a natural follow-up to that episode uh, and is a reading of an article I recently wrote. Um, If you want to read that article in writing, you'll be able to find it in the description of whichever platform you're listening to this podcast on. But anyway, here it goes. It's a shame that we seem to have found ourselves in a rather unfortunate predicament, whereby art, in its broadest sense, has had its very loci, experience and transcendency ripped from its belly. Today, entertainment, hallmarked by attentionally fleeting consumerism, has dragged itself toward unoriginality and blindness in one foul swoop, art has deserted its elevational and reflective essence in favour of mass production and superficial stimulation as the ultimate objective. This new postmodernist form of art is succinctly captured by the German loany term Kitsch. If I were for a moment to get you to imagine what art would be if she were an alcoholic, that is what Kitsch is. It serves no purpose but to generate within its consumer a reactionary pleasure, whose fruition requires neither mental tussle nor mental strain. And indeed, just like an alcoholic, the good effects come first with the bad, the self-deprecating uncle, the subordinate youth, or the futile divorcee, only later. Though most visually resonant in film, this transition of art is most tangible in the diminishment of the story, and the act of storytelling more generally. Though tending to go awry on the home straight of many of his arguments, Walter Benjamin speaks on this subject with particular conviction, in spite of his lamentation. It is as if a capability that seemed inalienable to us, the securest among our possessions, has been taken from us, the ability to share experiences. In the absence of something shareable at the core of society, something unwaveringly persistent, one degrades himself to desolation. Without that true societal current, a society's social dynamics become paralysed. For Benjamin, as for me, it is through true art and true storytelling that experience, counsel and value is passed from one generation to the next. The shifts, for instance, from the experimental portraits of Picasso to the deconstructivism of Magritte, or from the personability of Aesop's fable to the drab sterilisation of the modern comedy or novel offer ample evidence for this. In fact, such a demise discards not only the respect for what one's forebears deemed important, but to their beliefs, institutions and historic truths which have come to define our present existence. At the very heart of all these things is history, whose own dispensation becomes merely a next step. It was so for Chairman Mao, who, on his premise of human consciousness being a social construct, Proceeded to obliterate all Chinese history. Of course, if one attributes to human consciousness such an attribute, it may have its own death and resurrection in another form, in this case massacre, subject to Mao's own ideation of the Chinese people being nothing but slaves to his authority. More evident in Western society, the rise of postmodernism has also seen to the demolition of what were once institutions one took for granted, marriage and gender, to name just a couple, have been nonchalantly thrown out of the bedroom window. We seem finally to be withering away at culture, that thing which is formed as one generation holds onto that which it loves most from that which has come before it. In that sense, culture is ultimately the residue of what our forebears deemed worthy of engagement, that with which they had become enamoured. It can be no other way, for of those things in which one finds the greatest pleasure, art, music, literature, theatre, we can scarcely begin to understand the weight of their conviction, though we know we are moved by them. Of course, postmodernism surge is not without cause, In its creation, France bestowed upon the world its second most problematic export, trailing solely its people. It is only minor recompense that they coined the term la langue de bois, wooden tongue, to which Christopher Hitchens ascribes that nothing useful or enlightening can be said, but in which various excuses for the arbitrary and the dishonest can be offered. It is the abysmal state of mind that prevails in so many of our universities. Spearheaded by Derrida and Foucault, the movement, though unconjurable in its damage, maintains a certain charm and promiscuous seduction. As one is carried by the tide into a paradigm whereby truth of any kind is obliterated and only hierarchies of power exist, one is themselves excused to exert power to pursue any boundaryless end. Corollary to this, postmodernism seems to offer a simple answer, to its idle disciples who dismissively forget the thunders before the rainbows. Part of that answer is a zero-sum vision, while one man only gains at the equivalent dismay of another. In this way of looking at the world, one relieves themselves of their responsibility, of their burden. You see, worthy ideas, worthy art, hold a true mirror to their observer so that they may, in one way or another, elevate them, Communication art which cannot give way to this, and rather have unwaveringly universal and predetermined effects, are no forms of art at all, but rather some virtue-singling propaganda that condemns their engagers to soulless aspiration. And I need not say, this is no aspiration at all. In Hinduism, this transcendency is demonstrated by the idea of moksha. It is the liberation from samsara in the physical sense the mundane cycle of reincarnated life though in the epistemological ignorance suffering and unelevated life in favor of enlightenment self-realization self-actualization and self-knowledge in the absence of a soulful core one finds themselves reduced to hatred with any ideal of fulfillment and responsibility brought down to the knees of superficial pleasure These sentiments have been particularly visible in parts of the world that have been caught in the fleeting haze of political adolescence. In such an environment, one surrenders both the construction of one's life, as well as its deeper autonomy, to a remote and itself dishevelled central cause. In its portrait of a recalcitrant late 20th century Mexico, Alfonso Cuarón's film Y Tu Mama También demonstrates this with a certain naked beauty. It reveals that in the fate of authoritarianism there is little deeper joy to be found beyond booze, crack and masturbation. In demoralisation too there is little love to be found. Any motive of human progress becomes caught in impasse as the value of competence collapses to zilch. What else could be the case in the sole presence of power as the fluid of human life? If one may only rise through power, they may not do so through competence, and in the absence of competence there can be no value in solving problems, and one may find this is the ultimate meaning of life, the ability to solve problems and bring living humans and animals out of suffering. Indeed, the ability to help someone else is the very thing one grasps at, amidst his own despair. Without it, all we are left with is a downward spiral to rainbow armbands, Blackout Tuesdays and Greta Thunberg. Redundancy. So then, how to revitalise and how to find one's soul again? Take on the burden of the dangerous world outside? Yes, your body may suffer, but rather it than your soul. Michelangelo's Pieta is perhaps the most profound representation of this idea. Its analysis I bequeath to Sigmund Freud, who states, the good mother necessarily fails. It is only the refrain from providing homely comfort that one might seek adventure in the greater world beyond. And though hurt and evil may be found, so might meaning, truth and salvation. There is an importance in actively conserving the culture and institutions left behind by generations before us. In the evolutionary sense, the passing down of these things is an unparalleled filter system that leaves only what is ultimately the most meaningful practices for one to engage with. Dare I say, go on an adventure Open your eyes to the positive-sum vision of the world that is so visible in one's friendships, familial relationships, and, more fundamentally still, in the free market. Take on the zeal of what you know is right, and, wild as it may be, venture beyond to find your soul within.